you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show, the giant Barnum and Bailey circus tent in the sky of educational intelligence. I don't know what that means. That means, I don't know, the lions and tigers are smarter. Whatever. That's what we do here on the show. We have brilliant discussions with brilliant minds. They come on the show. They share the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of research, life stories, amazing things that will educate you, that will make you smarter. And when you're smarter, there's this glow you get to your skin, and you're more sexually attracted to the other sex. So that's why you listen to the Chris Foss Show. Or, I don't know, maybe you just like being smarter and you like being able to be the person who's smart in the room. And everybody knows that the last person who's the smartest person in the room is me. And that's why we bring on these brilliant guests. So we have an amazing uh, Oxford educated and uh, professor, I think. Uh, is he a professor? He's a, are you I'm a professor? A well, if I were in, working in the US, I would be called a professor, but ah. uh, we call it a lecturer in the UK. I, I don't have ah. like the, you, you, in the US, you go assistant professor, associate professor, then full professor. In the UK, we go lecturer, reader, professor. So. Yeah. In layman terms, he's pretty goddamn smart, and we got him on the show, and he's got his latest book out. We're going to be talking to him about. Uh, but before we get to that, as always, we have to do the plugs. There's the plugging, which is the shameless nature of trying to get people to promote the show for us for free. Uh, and that's what we do. That's why we're able to deliver the show for free. It's the advertisements. You know, when you watch TV, you got to put up with whatever sort of BS for the Stephen Colbert show for the late night. Uh, and so, you know, we do the plugs. As always, refer the show to your family your friends and uh, family we beg of you as always uh thank you very much for listening to the show go to youtube.com for chess chris foss goodreads.com for chess chris foss and uh what is this the linkedin newsletter and all good stuff over there today we have another amazing author i don't know where we come up with it we just put amazing authors brilliant minds into the google machine and they spit out these names and the hottest books that come off the shelf from all the uh, great uh universities and minds and uh, publishers as well uh he's the author of the latest book to come out uh march 21st 2023 the magic of physics uncovering the fantastical phenomenon in everyday life which is pretty much what i do you know when i wake up every morning i'm like holy crap i'm still here felix flicker is on the show with us today he's gonna be talking to us about his amazing book and everything went into it and uh, much of his research he is a lecturer uh what we call in america as professors we've established that in physics at cardiff university a theoretical physicist he works on the quantum underpinnings of matter he is the author of the newest book that just came out as we mentioned before welcome to the show felix how are you i'm very well thank you there you go how is you? that one of the better lead-ins that you've ever had in life uh, you can lie to me if you want i, I liked it i have to say i really enjoyed the uh, intro before we appear that was uh, there you go. Yeah, very exciting many people someone in france told me that that's called the ramble and we improv the ramble every time and i just kind of wing it oh really and, uh, 
Yeah, wow. sometimes and sometimes it's really dumb and it sucks and people go, "This guy's an idiot," and some people laugh really hard. Uh, sometimes you, in comedy as they call it, sometimes you kill and you're funny, and sometimes you die, and then hopefully if I die, it's funny as well. Or I don't know, people throw things. Uh, so welcome to the show. Give us your dot com so people can find you on the interwebs. Give it to you. Uh, well, I, you can find me at felixflicker.com if you uh, want to go on my personal website, I suppose. It's, there you go. Mostly research-based, but you can read my papers there if you fancy it. There you go. So uh, is this your first book? Uh, yes, it is, yeah. There you go. Congratulations. Uh, what motivates you want to write this book? Uh, well, the subject I study is called Condensed Matter Physics, and it's the mm -hmm. study of the stuff around us, like matter. And there are no books on it. There, there really weren't. And it's a bit strange because obviously there are lots of books on physics and they're on mm -hmm. things like gravitational waves, black holes, string theory, these kinds of things. Uh, but my subject, condensed matter physics, is actually the biggest field in physics. So about mm -hmm. a third of all physicists work on it. And it was very strange that there was no book on it. Uh, and so I thought I wanted to address this fact, you know, explain to so people why physicists find it exciting. My apologies uh, for interrupting you there. Uh, so basically it's a book on why matter matters. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good title. Yes. See, see, see what I do. This is why they pay me five dollars a show. Um, I make all the big bucks, baby. Um, so this is really interesting. And to me, physics is important. Matter is important. All these different sort of things that make up our universe. Uh, give us a, like a thirty thousand sort of uh, foot analogy of the book or an idea of concept of it. Just an overview of it. Um, yeah, I mean it's. It's about why physicists get excited about this subject when people typically haven't heard of that, that subset mm -hmm. of physics, condensed matter physics. And I suppose the, the broad overview of it is I, I've spent a long time, many years really, thinking why is it that people haven't heard of it? Why aren't books written about this? Why, mm -hmm. why don't you hear about it on the radio? And the answers I came up with, and, and when I spoke to other physicists and I spoke to like journalists and so on, and the answers always fell into two categories basically. Uh, it was, if you think about the stuff you have heard of, things like black holes, um, mm -hmm. or maybe like string theory, like the, the, it's the description of like the, some of the biggest stuff in the universe, some of the smallest stuff in the universe. And these topics are kind of inherently like magical in a way that doesn't need explaining. You know, you mm -hmm. look at the night sky and, and you can understand if someone said that, I find that magical, you know what they meant roughly. Mm -hmm. um, whereas my subject, the study of matter, well, matter is very familiar. It's everything that's around us. And so that's mm -hmm. not obviously magical in any, in, in, in an intuitive way. It's just, it's just familiar stuff. Mm -hmm. And the other reason I think people haven't heard of it is that you take those other subjects again, and they're not obviously practical. Like that's not uh, to dismiss them at all. But if you read a book on black holes, the person who wrote the book has written why they are personally excited to work on black holes, right? They're like, mm -hmm. this is fantastic. I love all this stuff. Whereas Condensed matter physics is practical in quite a short time scale. So those other subjects are practical, but it's like, you know, more like a 50 year time scale for the technology to like filter down into applications. Mm -hmm. Whereas the study of matter that underlies everything, like all electronic technology is based on our understanding of, of the matter it's built from. And mm -hmm. so you have this practical side to it. And that also, I think actually ironically makes it kind of harder to sell because when you write a book on condensed matter physics, it's always going to be tempting to say not why you're excited about it, but why you think other people should be excited because it mm -hmm. makes their phone work better and so on. Definitely. And, and so the, the point of the book is that I tried to think, OK, so these other topics in physics, people have written books, I think, about them because they're magical in this way that doesn't need explaining. And um, 
and, and this subject doesn't seem to have that magic. But I thought it, it clearly does have that magic. That's why so many of us work on it. So I wanted mm -hmm. to get to explaining why that was. And to get to answer your question, the reason I think it's magical, I think, it, I think there is a magic to the familiar and the practical. And I think specifically, it's the kind of magic that you'd read about a wizard doing, like mm -hmm. how you want to interpret it. So if you think of someone like Harry or Hermione in Hogwarts or like uh, uh, Merlin or um, Morgan Le Fay in Arthurian legend, any of these people, they don't do magic that like changes the entire universe and they don't sort of rewrite the fundamental laws of reality. They do bits of hands-on practical magic that helps the other characters, right? Mm. So I, thought, I think it can be magical, the familiar and the practical, but it's just a kind of more subtle magic. So that's the, the pitch for the book, basically. There you go. And this is this is kind of an interesting intersection. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm throwing this out there as a as a thing. This is an interesting intersection between what we establish as, you know, uh, science and the factual nature of science, although science is always a theory in, in evolving and development and really an assessment of what we think we know at the time. But then there's also the the you know, what we don't know we don't know. And 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 that seems to evolve as we get better at at to understand this stuff is that a good analogy that it's it's well it's kind of a mid midsection between physics and reality and and math and where we go this is uh fact as we know it and then you know like something like religion or magic as it were where uh it it, it you know is it, is this something we've imagined is it real is that is that is that what it is is a good mid lane between those two or do i have that analogy right um, yeah i think I, okay i definitely agree with the uh statement that our kind of understanding of reality is always evolving um mm -hmm. i'm very i was keen from the start to make it clear that um to, to kind of dispel this myth that science is like a big book of facts that, mm -hmm. that you can read from because mm -hmm. i think you know often it's portrayed that way and that's that's very damaging to science but also to society a bit more generally i think you know this idea that there are experts and they have access to this big book that you don't know about it's it's mm -hmm. wrong and really, the, the essence of science is what you say. It's this constant going over of the things you think you know and questioning them again and again and trying to tease them apart and finding that you didn't really know the thing you thought you knew. Mm -hmm. uh, you're constantly you're testing things, going back over and checking stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it, the magic is uh, kind of woven through the book. I use kind of fictional bits of magic. But the point really was... Um, making the point I made to you in, in words a few minutes ago about, you know, trying to get to... You look at the sky and, and think people can sort of agree that's magic in some sense without being too specific about what they mean. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to try and convey that same sense of magic about the world around us. So, you know, in a, in a sort of more intuitive way. So I used fictional bits in the book to do that because I thought you, you can write something in a fictional context and everyone can agree it's magic because it, you know, it, it is magic. So I started there's, off with, um, oh, sorry. Yes. There's kind of a feel to that. I mean, there's, especially if we don't fully understand it or if we're not at the level of education that uh, folks like you are. You know, we're, you know, I mean, we, that's kind of how we approached it when we were cavemen, right? We would look out from the cave and, you know, see thunder and lightning and the stars and, you know, noises that scared us and different things. And we consider a lot of things magic. Yeah. Uh, you know. And I think we still do, really. I mean, I yeah. think people do think quite magically still. Um, yeah. And then there's this element of thinking you've understood something. I, I, there's this theme I keep coming back to in the book, which was uh, actually I'll tell you I'll tell you the whole story, you know, um, if that's all right. We, yes, please. <laughs> um, so I met is a true story. In fact, I met a magician when I was walking through the desert. I won't give any more context than that, but he was a real magician, uh, and it was in America. Um, 
And I asked this magician if he'd heard of uh, the magician Darren Brown. Have you heard of Darren Brown? No. Okay, he's, he's very well known in England, but I didn't know how well known he was over there. And, and actually, this, the, the magician I met had heard of Darren Brown. He knew, him, knew of him very well. And I said that I, to me, Darren Brown was the best of stage magician because um, it's not just that he does magic, but he does it in such a way that he makes you believe he's done something with science. So oh. it's all about kind of um, like mentalism, what you'd call that. So he, the way it works is he kind of convinces you that there's so much we don't know about the brain that he's kind of done these tricks, you know, manipulating people's brains. And it's, it's caused you to these strange things to happen. So he can like, yeah. you know, make people um, survive things that should be too painful or they can lift things they shouldn't be able to lift, this kind of stuff. Uh -huh. um, and you can't you believe it because he presents it in this kind of scientific way. But then I realized after rewatching these shows many times and thinking it through, I started to think, oh, some of that stuff could be done with like fairly simple magic tricks. And, mm -hmm. and then I, I said to the magician, so this is like the real trick. I'd, I've seen these times two stages. Like there's the stage where you just watch the show and you, you find it fascinating. And like you say, maybe that's like cavemen looking at the stars and being like, that's, that's magic. Mm -hmm. And then there's a stage two where you start to work it out and you're like, oh, it was actually a trick all along. And, I, and then you start to think, okay, I've, I'm working it out. I know how the world works. Mm -hmm. See, like, there's a magic in the analogy and then the, the what the magician said to me was yeah but there's a third stage that you, you aren't appreciating which is like the professional magician watching those tricks so a magician knows exactly what he was doing all along so stage two isn't that exciting to them but they still enjoy the show because they love the kind of technical skill with which he does it so he uh -huh. said he watches these shows and he's this guy the darren brown is a really technically able magician and it's a joy to watch him as a professional and mm -hmm. so I thought that's kind of what we need to aspire to as, as people more generally. I think we stage one when we're young, we look at the, the world and it is just magic. You know, children are looking at it and it's everything is new and exciting to them. And then as we get older, we start to think, oh, I, I kind of understand the world pretty much. And it starts to become kind of boring to you and mundane. But I think the real skill is in returning to it with the insight of the professional. And that's kind of what scientists should aim to do. We should look at it again and say, you know, it is magic after all. Uh, but we need this kind of deeper level to return to that thing that we had when we were younger. Definitely. And, and a kind of returning to a wonderment and, uh, uh, you know, once you kind of know what's the analogy for this, uh, once you kind of know how the machine operates, you can more appreciate its beauty maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of puts, it kind of moves away from that science thing. Cause some people get bored with science because it's it does seem kind of factual, even though it's mm -hmm. not. Um, and uh, you know they see it as a very black and white sometimes sort of thing, and right. it's a little bit sleepy and a little bit too factual for people. You know, people people like you know the story of something, and like you like you mentioned that third phase that that presentation where you know the game. You know, like you watch a movie, you know what's going to go on. I mean, nine times out of ten, within five minutes, you know, you know how the whole plot's going to play out but we love the journey of that of that mm -hmm. moment we love the experience of being taken on that journey and and you know i mean we do that you know like we'll have romance novels novels that will come on the show and a lot of it's very blueprint they'll even admit to themselves uh and and us that you know the the formula is the same and a lot of you know stories are formulated the same but it's a repetition of how we enjoy them and and consume them and uh you know you, you know that most movies or most stories are you know good triumphs over evil sometimes that movie is the opposite of that and people get very upset uh <laughs> you know and and think well that's not fair well the world isn't fair and so you spin this through what are some examples of some of the matter that you talk about in the book of how 
you know, there's this, there's this nuance behind it of magical properties. Okay. Well, so I'd say the way I, um, came to writing the book over the years, I tried to write it a few times and it, it was, it was coming out very inconsistent. I wasn't quite getting it. And the thing that really let me write the book was I opened with uh, a fictional passage instead of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this fictional passage, I had some, uh, wizard who I call Varian and she's off um, she's clambering through a cave and to light her way in this cave she pulls a crystal from her pocket and she does some kind of spell that causes this crystal to light up the, the, the rocks around her and and I so I switched then to, to non-fiction and said well you know clearly that was fiction and, and what that wizard that person was a wizard and she was doing magic clearly because if you could take a crystal and cause it to light up then that would be magic right um, that was the, the point I wanted to make. But then I explained that actually we do that magic trick all the time because most lights these days, probably I know the lights here and probably the lights uh, where you are, will be LEDs, light emitting diodes. And those are nothing but crystals. They're just crystals. Mm-hmm. And, and we cause them to light up by passing electric current through them. Mm-hmm. So then you could say, well, okay, so maybe it wasn't magical when she lit up a crystal in the fictional setting because she could have just been turning on a torch that works with an LED or mm-hmm. a flashlight. Um, but I would say that the point of the book is to look at it the other way around and say, no, you were right that it was magical in that fictional setting. But then you should also admit that it's magic whenever you turn on a light, because you know you are causing a crystal to light up at the flick of a switch. And that is really a magical thing. It's just a very familiar, practical thing. Yeah, we kind of take it for granted. And so it sounds like what you've tried to do or you've done in your book is you've tried to put the imagination fun and and. Um, the embracing of that newness that we usually experience as, as young people. And we go, Hey, this is still really cool. Cause you know, it gets kind of boring. You're like, oh, I just flick on the lights and whatever. And I tell Google exactly. to turn on the lights, but, but there is, you know, a combination of formula of both science and as you call it magic or, or, or some sort of, you know, thing that, that it is kind of cool when it really comes down to it and the chain reaction or whatever that takes place to make that happen or what we've created in maybe humanity when we create uh, you know light diodes from minerals of the of the ground and everything so do you my understanding is in the book uh this isn't like your typical physics books where you know we're going to be reading equations and charts instead you've you've built it with different different things talk to us a little bit about more of that and how you present the data and the story okay Yes, it doesn't have charts and uh, it doesn't have any equations in it. Um, People and, like that too. <laughs> they like not having the equations, or they, they like the equations. And math is hard. Yeah, um, I you know uh, I considered the equations. Some of the equations seem beautiful to physicists, but I think I was convinced that then they're, they're not as beautiful when it's just a load of uh, scary-looking symbols. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, actually, there's one that makes it in, but it's uh, the the physicist uh, Erwin Schrödinger who uh, invented uh, quantum mechanics, or one of the people who invented it. His his grave has his equation written on it. So there's a oh really yeah, and and weirdly, I, I stumbled across his grave um, totally coincidentally. I was in Outback in Austria, um, uh, just on a skiing holiday with my dad when I was a teenager, and uh, there's a little graveyard there. I went walking around it, and there was one grave that had well, I, basically, I just saw this grave. It had a couple of candles on it, but it wasn't fancy. And I was like, that, that's the Schrodinger equation written on that grave. <laughs> mm. um, and it turned out it was Schrodinger's grave. Happened to be where I was at the time. Wow. I, I don't assign any magical significance to this, but it was just quite a coincidence. Um, sorry, yeah, so no, it doesn't have equations in it. Um, 
and I do I try to use fictional bits throughout the book. So I, I try to um, you know continue this story of Varian, and and she goes through seeing different uh, different things, and and you know I portray the the fictional setting with in a magical world, and then try to say, well, again, you know that's not actually that magical. We do think basically do some of that magic all the time, mm-hmm. and use it to explain different things. So the first half of the book is kind of. Um, like essential spells, things you'd need to be a modern wizard and therefore a condensed matter physicist, people who can take our world, understand how it works, and therefore you know, take it apart and, uh, and create new things um, with it. And then the second half of the book is kind of um, uh, some kind of cutting edge stuff, like spells we're still learning to cast. So mm-hmm. things that we don't understand fully yet, uh, like new states of matter, these sorts of things. Uh, and some of the, the biggest open questions in modern theoretical physics, in particular studying matter. There you go. So, so are, is there real power to, you know, crystals and some metaphysics? Uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people that do this thing called manifesting where they feel that with their mind, they can do stuff. I don't know if that's involved in any, but you know, these, these, these folks that are, you know, the del- delve in, in magical properties, I think I'm trying to say. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have some friends that are, crystal coaches that are in my circles that you know they believe in actual crystals and healing powers of of different things and you know universal energies and stuff like that is is some of this entwined in that is there is there some relation to some sort of an intellect to that uh, i guess um the short answer (laughs) is no but you know i i don't want to be uh dismissive of these ideas but um i'd say you know, a scientist should remain open-minded of things, but they sure. should have to see if the thing really is an effect. And I'm not yeah. familiar with any effect along these lines. I think it's noteworthy, although I don't emphasize the point in the book, but um, in a strict sense, crystals have less energy than uh, than other forms of matter. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. I mean, because they're the most ordered things on the atomic scales. Like, what defines really? a crystal? Yeah, lots of things are crystals that you wouldn't think of. So, I mean, there's obvious crystals like quartz, say, or, or salt, mm-hmm. maybe you may know a crystal. I the love that. Are- I love those crystals. I love salt Sorry. crystals in my food. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, in that sense, yeah, crystals can be, you know, they can help with your health because you, salt is good for you sometimes. Well, I don't know that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> no, I'm not a I mean, sometimes a certain amount of it, from my understanding. I don't know. It could be wrong. You probably want some, but I don't, don't ask you yeah, questions. Don't have too much. Um, but uh, so metals are crystals as well. All metals, basically. Really? Yeah. It's, wow. it's very rare for a metal to not be a crystal. It's very hard to make a, a wow. non-crystal metal. This is so, why I worship gold. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Gold I try and manifest it into my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the defining feature of crystals, you might ask, well, how is gold a crystal? I mean, it's, it doesn't look like what you imagine a crystal should look like, right? It's not, hmm. not like a ruby. Um, but the way a crystal is defined is that the on the atomic scale, the atoms appear in a regular periodic structure. So they're kind of evenly spaced mm-hmm. in three dimensions. They form this, this very regular structure. And because of that, they end up having kind of less energy associated with them than something like a glass where things are are randomly distributed. There's energy associated. You, you, you can, um, well, there's an equation for it, which <laughs> which I won't go into the details of. But uh, in a strict sense, crystals are kind of less energetic than other things. Huh. And, and so you, what you've tried to do is kind of portray this in more of a, maybe uh, would an accurate statement be more of like a fun way and, and so. more 
something stimulates maybe our imagination and you know we don't gloss over like we do in in science class we're like oh god facts and math um, right it, we, we it brings back the fun and imagination back to you know looking at life through that sort of lens as opposed I, to i try to yeah and mm -hmm. i think it, it says i had to think a bit about what you want to do with a popular science book because mm -hmm. while i was writing it you know i hadn't thought as much about that before i came to writing it and i think there's a sense in which when you first start writing you want to just you know, get as many facts across as possible. And of course, that's that's not interesting and no one's going to remember the facts because they haven't been studying the subject for years and so on. It's not going to fit in into things they've already heard. So I think the thing you can, the best you can hope for with a popular science book is to inspire people to want to go off and, and learn more about the subject. So yeah. I hope it's fun in that sense and people are like, oh, that is fun. I, I, I get the, the bits that are being explained there. I'd like to know more about that. That's the real hope. There you go. And so it's full of owls, mountains, infinite libraries, staffs and wands, martial arts, mythical islands, ruled by sage knot makers. You know, something that's kind of more fun. So it's like a mixture between, I don't know, Harry Potter and and your physics science books, maybe? I, I, I did think, you know, I, Harry Potter is a very popular thing. And uh, sure. if some of that, some of the large number of people that like Harry Potter might be convinced to to put some of that to use. I mean, essentially I was thinking, um, you know, there's a lot of, in, in Oxford where I was, I, I'm not based there anymore, but there's there's like 10 Harry Potter shops that just sell Harry Potter stuff. Really? They didn't used to be when I when I was there before, but yeah, they've, they've sprung up since Harry Potter because, you know, it's a very, you know, a lot of it's based in Oxford. Um, not, you know, it's not um, set there, but they used, uh, you know, some of the colleges they, they used for designs in Harry Potter and this kind of thing. Um, so people come there wanting to buy like the fake wand and the, the gown and stuff. And I thought, well, you know, that's, I'm not going to criticize that. But if you want to be a real wizard, you can. You, but, you know, you should become a physicist, basically, because they're yeah. the people who really, you know, take the world, understand it, and then, you know, do bits of practical magic that, that change the world for practical effect. For, yeah. For way. And I think that's where we really kind of embrace concepts better is when we can put into like an everyday format or a, a, a format that kind of uh, jives or, or kind of uh, tickles our imagination in ways that make us embrace it. Maybe a lot easier putting in concepts that are, are more adaptable. You know, that's why that's really what the Harry Potter movies I think are about and other books and things like that. I don't get a check for that. Do I um, plugging Harry Potter books? Um, uh, but uh, but that's kind of our fascination with it, right? Our you know the magic of of what really we don't sometimes think about ours. There's actual matter and physics and kind of the basics of it. You give me a lot to think about. Like I didn't I didn't know that metals were in in fact a form of crystal, but I guess from a molecular aspect or a matter aspect, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So looking at stuff in the world that seems familiar, like metal, and and then realizing that there's actually you know. That's kind of stage two of appreciation. You used to like it when you were a kid. That was magical. Now you're older. You think, oh, I understand metals. They're familiar. But actually, there's more to it. You can go back to it and enjoy the uh, the art of the performance as well. Yeah. I mean, every day I come on the show, I turn on my computer and like it magically still comes up after all these years. And then we come on the show and, and I'm just like, wow, magic. Uh, this shit still works today. Again. <laughs> 
And then just sometimes, sometimes Microsoft downloads the uh, update in the background and they throw all the COM ports off and we turn on the computers and nothing works and the magic is gone. And then we have to restart and find the magic once again. And then somehow we press all the right buttons and the magic appears. And that's the magic yeah. of the Chris Foss show, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, anything more you want to tease out of the book? We, of course, want people to order it up wherever fine books are sold. Uh, anything more we should tease out that you want to give a plug into? Um, I, I don't know. I think I've, uh, you've, you've asked some nice uh, probing questions that have uh, got to the, the basics of what I wanted to do in the book. There um, you go. Yeah. I hope people uh, find it interesting and want, want to take a further look. Is this something that could be turned into a movie someday? It kind of sounds like maybe it could be a nice movie to help explain some of this. Well, who knows? I mean, actually, um, I've, I've been doing a bit of promotion in the UK as well. So I've been mm -hmm. on the radio a couple of times uh, and I've, uh, I, I got speaking to one of the producers. So he and I have put a pitch in to, to have it sort of turned into a radio show. So we're, we're fingers crossed for that. It's that made would it be, around the pitch, at least. That would be interesting. And of course, a lot of great movies came from radio shows, War of the Worlds and, and other things. And, and radio shows are, are really cool. Um, I guess I'm doing a self-plugging promotion thing because you know when you when you listen to a radio show, you have to use your own imagination. When you go to film, it defines that imagination for you. And mm -hmm. so I think it's funnier sometimes with radio, and that's probably why people listen to the podcast. Plus, they don't ever want to really see my face in person, so <laughs> that's why most people consume the podcast on audio basis because they don't want to be scared the bejesus out of themselves. Like, holy shit, Chris Voss is. A fat old ugly guy. Anyway, um, that's also on my Tinder profile as well, folks. Uh, so it's been wonderful to have you on, Felix. I love this sort of insightfulness, and you you kind of activated my my love of science and everything because you know sometimes it can the theory of science can be a little dry. You know, math, you start saying math and science, and people's eyes glaze over. But when you put features behind it that are fun and imaginative and it kind of give us a more basic understanding of the interpretation of science i think that's where it becomes uh much more lively if you will and engaging for people i don't know what do i know i'm just a man with a microphone on the show <laughs> but there's magic every day when i show up felix thank you very much for coming on the show we really appreciate it yeah thank you very much for having me it's been great there you go uh give us your dot com so people can find you on the interweb just please Oh, yeah. So felixflicker.com. Yeah. And there's the magic of the internet, too, as well. You just type in a few letters and magically stuff appears on the screen. It's kind of cool. Yeah. There you go. Uh, now just Google OnlyFans.com for Chess Chris Foss and see what sort of magic appears. I'm kidding. There's nothing there. There better not be anything there, damn it. Anyway. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, uh, linkedin.com, Fortress Chris Foss, where all the smart stuff. Uh, the magic of physics, uncovering the fantastical phenomenon in everyday life, available wherever fine books are sold, March 21st, 2023. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We certainly appreciate you and our audience. Uh, be good to each other, stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And that's